Um, also, Chief, something just happened yesterday. We saw a lot of uh, different messages on Facebook about this. I received a lot of calls um, as well um, with uh, a number of inmates that, nonviolent inmates that were released from uh, prison um, or from the county jail. They were nonviolent um, due to the COVID-19. Uh, can you answer any questions? Um, I know that that was an order that was given uh, from um, the, the governor's office, I, I believe, and I, you know, we talked to the sheriff also on, on Friday, who was in compliance. But can you just assure the the community that um, they're going to continue to be safe during this time? Yes. Uh, so the governor, like you said, mayor, uh, provided a mandate for sheriffs to kind of release certain um, inmates from their facilities to include Morrill County here. Uh, in Morrill County, last number that I had, we have 47 inmates that were released from the county jail. Uh, these were inmates who were uh, on technical violations on parole from the parole system, uh, meaning that they've already served their time for their original crime and they went back to jail for some sort of technical violation as a result of them violating parole. Um, many of them uh, sometimes come out of jail and have no resources in the community. So one of the things that is the most concern, I think, to the sheriff, and I talked to him yesterday, was individuals who have no resources on the outside um, and who are homeless. So I think what the county did was they used their emergency housing fund uh, to uh, put some of the individuals up in a hotel uh, at the Holiday Inn on, uh, in Greece. Um, so the community will be safe. Uh, you know, it's status quo, I think the fire chief said, you know, someone has a concern. They can call 911, but these are times that we are dealing with, and you know we all get the public health side of this with regard to COVID-19, and we also trying to find a balance of uh, measuring public safety as well. I think, thank you, Chief Singletary. I wanted to ask Vice President Lightfoot. I, I know that you were a former firefighter, retired firefighter. Um, did you have anything for uh, Chief Jackson or Deputy Chief Hernandez? I uh, just, you know, we, 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 a lot of people are um, concerned uh, about you guys. We're praying for our first responders all the time. We just, you know, saw in the news where you had uh, hundreds of police officers test positive in New York City. Uh, so my question to both you guys, uh, how's people doing on, on both forces? Uh, do we have anybody that's quarantined? I mean, are, are, you know, are you guys doing okay? And how's things going with uh, the members? So this is Chief Jackson, and, and thank you, Councilman Lightfoot, uh, for that question. Basically, you know, I've been tracking what's going on around the country. You know, a lot of first responders are being infected. Fortunately, here, we're, our PPE and our protocols that we have put in place have protected our people. We do not have any confirmed cases or any exposures at this time. So our people are doing well compared with the rest of the country. I do know that FDNY uh, had 500 of their personnel quarantined. Uh, the two, we do have a couple of people that are quarantined, but that's because they returned from a cruise. So there is nothing, we have nothing that is related to our responses. So we are doing well in, in, in that regard. So uh, I think the fact that we have put protocols in place and we are in constant contact with Dr. Cushman and the Department of Health, that we've been able to stay healthy and I hope that that continues throughout this crisis. 
Deputy Chief Hernandez, I know that you've been leading the way um, as it pertains from the city's emergency response side um, when it comes down to making sure that not just the fire department, police department have PPE, but also um, the other members of our community um, and our DES teams have that as well. Um, did you want to talk about how you're providing those services to our community? Yeah, so um, one of the main things is communication amongst all the uh, the, uh, department heads. Um, you know, there is a system to order uh, additional supplies from the county. So we've been uh, doing that coordination and working together to gather that information. Um, so the main thing is staying on top of the orders. I mean, even today, we received an order for the city. We sent members in to, to be available to pick up those orders. So we are constantly working every day, communicating with each other, keeping track of what we call what is the burn through rate. Um, that's going to be very critical for us in case supplies do get limited in the near future. Um, we need to keep track exactly what our spend rate is at this time. But at the moment, uh, we have great communications amongst the, the departments and things are going pretty well at this time. What about you, Chief, um, uh, police chief? Yes, uh, same as uh, Chief Jackson said, we have not had any officer test positive for COVID. You know, we've had a couple of officers that had to be isolated uh, from one situation or another, whether it was on duty or off duty, but we are nowhere near uh, the numbers that our, our partners are seeing across the country. I know New York City has had 5,000 officers out. You know, they have a larger force. Uh, I think they have about 500 plus officers who have tested positive for COVID. And I think they lost three members of the department, including one detective, uh, um, as a result of COVID-19. Um, so we are monitoring that throughout the country. And uh, we're, we're paying attention to it. But the officers are doing well. Um, they're rising to the occasion as I, as I would expect them to. Um, they're worried about, just like each and every one of us are, you know, contracting COVID-19 as well as not wanting to take it home to the loved ones. Thank you, Chief. Um, that's very important. Um, and that's why I think that we are doing everything that we can to make sure that they have the proper PPE in order to um, protect themselves and, and protect their loved ones and the community. I know I saw Andrea had her hand up, um, so I'm going to kick it back over to the studio. There's another question. I know I'm going to do a time check right now. I believe we're at 335. We have about um, another 20 minutes before we start wrapping up, and I wanted to make sure that I uh, got over to Commissioner Torres as well. So I'm going to, uh, and we also have uh, um, um, uh, Vice uh, County Legislator, uh, Minority Leader, um, Ernest Flagler, that's on the line, that's going to give us some information about what uh, resources the county has available. So um, Andrea, if you wanted to answer, ask the question. To circle back on to loitering and non-essential businesses, our listeners would like to know Will police be taking actions against people they find running non-essential businesses and loitering? One more time for everyone just tuning in. We are hosting a town hall meeting with the city of Rochester. Make sure you text and call in with your questions. So first of Go ahead, go ahead Chief. So, so first and foremost, what we're going to do is we're going to educate. As we receive those calls, you're being educated at the 911 system. Uh, about you know the current policies and directives that are put in place. Officers will respond. We will educate the public, uh, the business owner or the employee on such. Uh, if they do not cooperate, what we can do is document such on an incident report and refer it to either the state health commissioner's office or the New York State Attorney General's office, who said that they will be taking enforcement action on such. 
Um, but what we will do uh, is a, from an RPD standpoint is that we will come out, we will educate. Uh, we just do not have the authority to enforce uh, the governor's directive with regard to non-essential businesses being closed at this time. But one thing that we are finding is that, you know, most businesses are in compliance with such. Mm-hmm. So, Chief, I, I just wanted to piggyback off of that because the New York State Attorney General's office did develop a hotline and uh, the hotline number to report businesses that are not following the governor's direct order, um, pause executive order. That hotline number is 212-416-8700. That's 212-416-8700. Um, also, please note that there is a list um, that the governor has released on the Empire State Development website of what he deems as essential businesses and non-essential businesses. And so restaurants can stay open if they're delivering food or just doing takeout. Um, as I said earlier, pharmacies are available. Um, they're an essential business. Government is an essential business. Um, so there are a number of biz- banks and other financial institutions are essential businesses. The media, the radio station, as well as all of the media outlets are essential businesses. And so um, just want to make sure that you have the correct information but if you believe that a business is violating the, um, the order, the correct um, organization to contact is the attorney general's office. Her and her team um, are, uh, Tish James is the attorney general. Her and her team are the ones that are enforcing the government's order. The governor's order, in, again, that hotline number is 212-416-8700. We had put that up on our Facebook page, but you can also find it on cityofrochester.gov slash coronavirus. Um, Thank you again uh, to our law enforcement officers. We appreciate you for your service. And of course, all of the the men and women that are out there on the front lines every day representing our community. Andre, I'm not sure if there's any other questions that you have in the studio. Okay. We did have one. We did have one question coming from a frontliner concerned about sex offenders that are being released. Are they not seen as high risk to the community? Sorry, what was that? A concern about sex offenders and are they not seen as high risk? Sex offenders being released back into the public. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a, there was criteria that was established that the governor had put out uh, for parolees, uh, for parole departments to consider and sheriffs to consider. Um, you know, I'm not going to get into a debate with regard to the philosophical aspect of such. Um, but if there is a concern, what I would tell people to do is to call 911. Uh, if you have a concern about anything and we can, you know, big thing we can do out this is educate the public as to what is going on and kind of close some of the rumors that may be out there. But the biggest thing that we can do is kind of educate the public on such. And if there is a concern, call 911. Thank you, Chief, for um, answering that question. I know that that was on um, many people's minds uh, yesterday um, as well. And the people that were released from uh, the Monroe County Jail were those that were nonviolent, uh, considered nonviolent offenders that were in um, in the Monroe County Jail because of uh, a parole violation. Is that am I am I correct on that? Correct. They had already they already served time on their original charge, and they went back to uh, jail for a technical violation uh, by the parole department. And like okay. I said, there, there were certain criteria that was established that sheriffs uh, were to abide by in releasing uh, inmates. 
Thank you. Um, before I turn it over to Commissioner Danielle Lyman Torres, who's going to give us a report on um, meal distribution and where people can access food, I wanted to, um, I, I recognize that Assistant Minority Leader Ernest Flagler is on the line. Um, there are a number of services that uh, County Executive Fellow and his team are providing to the community, but wanted someone from the county to give that information. Um, uh, Assistant Minority Leader Flagler, are you there? I'm here. Okay. Can you give the community an update on um, what's happening at the county and where they can go to find um, resources All as right, it um, what the county is offering? All right. Thank you, Mayor Warren, and thank you, Council, Minute, Council Member Vice President Willie Lightfoot for doing this town hall meeting. This is so important, especially for our community. And, you know, I first off want to send my heart warm prayers to those who are infected and who are isolated as well as quarantined and to all of the public safety workers as well as the food service workers and everybody who is out on the front lines trying to help us to combat this, this epidemic. Um, there are two things that uh, the, the county, I think that we should let let the listeners know that the county is doing. One is, you know, they, they are partnering up with Rochester Works for folks who have been laid off of their jobs to try to help them find jobs who to in this time of crisis. And then also, we also have another important um, program that helps the business. We, we all know that most of the businesses are closed. And some business people don't even know if they're going to be able to open after this is done. So what the county did is that they're now offering for uh, small businesses, they're offering um, $10,000 of no interest loan to those businesses. And, and what requires small business is a job that have 50 or less workers. So I think that's important for these times like this. And then once again, it's no interest loans up to $10,000 for a small business to be able to get so that they can try to stay open or stay afloat until we can get past uh, these trial and time. Thank you, um, County Legislator um, Flagler. We also wanted to give the hotline. Uh, the county has a COVID hotline is 753-5555. That's 753-5555. They also have a website, COVID-19 at MonroeCounty.gov, um, if you needed more information. Is there any additional information that you wanted to provide to the community, um, County Legislator Flagler? Yeah, so I just want to tell the community, you know, where we're fighting to try to get this epidemic under control. It's very important that you talk to as your family members, especially the youth, uh, a lot of them don't believe they can catch this. And, you know, just the last few days, we've been updating folks. And just the other day, there are five people at the age of 20 who have contracted this virus. So I think it's very important that we have these conversations with our loved ones so that we can uh, continue to practice social distancing and making sure that we don't contract anybody else. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, and again, I will let you know th that that information is available online at moralcounty.gov, um, as well as you can go to the city of Rochester's website and you can provide a link, but they also have a hotline um, 
for residents to be able to access information. I want to um, thank thank our county executive and our county leaders for uh, their work during this time. The, the county health director, Michael Mendoza, uh, reports and works directly with the county executive, but every week, uh, every day, um, the, they are providing updates to all of the local elected officials as well as the media. They have a phone call that they are doing with all of us um, in the afternoon, providing us with that information. And so we want to thank them. Um, and everyone knows that the governor has been doing uh, a number of different updates, um, either via um, press conferences or uh, updates on, on, on television, but also online as well. And so we want to make sure that people get the up-to-date information. Um, right now, I am going to turn it over to Commissioner Daniel Lyman-Torres. Um, as you all know, we have been distributing meals at our recreation centers in partnership with Foodlink, as well as um, the Rochester City School District, and wanted the commissioner to talk about what um, she's doing and how that meal distribution program is going. Yes, thank you, Mayor. Um, as you've said, the City of Rochester, um, the Rochester City School District and Foodlink have been working together very closely to ensure that the meals that students would typically have while going to school continue to be available. So we've been providing breakfast, lunch, and dinner at 16 locations across the city. Um, we've been doing that at seven school sites and nine our center sites. In the first two weeks, uh, we've distributed over 90,000 meals. Um, so, Commissioner, I, I want to stop you there because I know that people um, have, some people have stated that they can't understand how we can distribute 90,000 meals. How are you tracking that and can you tell the community um, how that number is what it is and how you're tracking that? Absolutely. We track at each site um, the number of meals that we're distributing for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The number of meals that we are physically handing out. And we track them, you know, on very detailed spreadsheets and a very uh, tally sheets. We have to track them. We track them for two reasons. One, we need to know um, how much food we need for the next day. We need to be able to meet demand. Um, and also, these these this is a reimbursement process. So um, the school district and food link have funders that require that the meals be tallied and, um, and 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 the details be kept. So we are counting each and every meal, uh, both at the school sites and at the art center sites that are being distributed. And we have a mechanism to do that. It's the same mechanism that's in place um, when we do summer meals. And it's the same mechanism that's in place when the school district is functioning and serving meals every day. Thank you. And um, Commissioner, can you, uh, I don't know if you have those sites in front of you, but can you tell the community uh, which sites that they can go to? And are there those the only way that people can get prepared meals? Is that the only way? Um, are there other ways that they can get meal boxes um, for their families? Absolutely. So the school sites um, that we're operating are, are there's seven school sites currently, and they operate from 8 a.m to 2.30 p.m., Monday through Friday, and those are number five school, number 42 school, Freddie Thomas, Monroe High School, East High School, Jefferson, the Wilson Foundation Academy, 
beginning on Tuesday, March 31st, we are adding an eighth school site. On Tuesday, March 31st, we will add number seven school on Dewey Avenue. The R Center locations that are open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m., where you can get meals, um, are Adams Street, Avenue D, the Frederick Douglass Center on South Avenue, Flint Street, the David Gant Center on North Street, the Trenton and Pamela Jackson Center on Clinton, on North Clinton, the Tyshawn Caldwell Center on Campbell Street, Carter Street Art Center, and the Thomas Ryan Center on Webster Avenue. So those are the locations where you can get grab-and-go meals targeted for school-aged youth, and those are available during those times. And people can find an interactive map um, on our website, cityofrochester.gov, where they can find the site closest to them for these grab-and-go meals. Uh, to answer your second question, no, this isn't the only way that people can have access to food. So uh, Partners Food Link and many nonprofit partners have also added meal sites. Um, there, I know that the Maple Wolf YMCA um, has added some meal sites, uh, some meal times, as well as um, ABC um, has added some, some times at a number of their locations. All of that information can be found on 211's website or by calling 211. There also has been a food box distribution that Food Link has facilitated. Um, those have happened at a variety of locations. Uh, a variety of food banks have these boxes. Um, for any resident who is interested or needs to have access, um, the best way to get it is to call 211 to get directed to a location nearest you that has uh, the food boxes available and when they might be available again um, if that location um, has, has run out. So Foodlink is working tirelessly with volunteers to, to continue to provide additional resources outside of the school-aged meal program uh, for people. And I know Lifespan has been um, their partner with, with delivering um, meals to seniors who are homebound. Mayor, um, I have a chat question for, uh, for Dr. Torres. Uh, can you provide uh, the public with the tracking data or release the information on, on the website? We can, we can share the information uh, on a weekly basis on, the, on our website. Thank you. Thank you. And that, that um, tracking data is broken down by site. Um, so you know exactly how many meals are being given out at each particular site. I've actually looked at this tracking data and it's, it's, it's really um, done well. And so I want to thank you, Commissioner, as well as uh, the members of the Department of Youth and Recreation Services, because they're the ones that staffing and working with the Rochester City School District to staff these sites. I did have a discussion with the superintendent yesterday about extended learning and what's going to be happening um, now that kids are out of school for another two weeks and we, we're not sure when students will be going back and they will be making an announcement about that. But he did say that all ninth through 12th graders have access to Chromebooks and Google Classroom. They, on their website, if you go to www.rcsdk12.org, um, I believe um, you will be able to get access to a lot of the learning tools that they have there. 
for families and parents. Uh, they will be announcing soon some other uh, programs that they're going to be initiating, but at different sites, they also have packets available. And so if parents want to come and get some educational packets, they can come and get some educational packets as well. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Andrea, who's in the studio to see if there's any questions. I'm doing a time check because I know that we are on a time limit. It is now uh, 3.54. We have a couple minutes to get in a couple more questions. If anyone is on the chat, have a pressing issue. We still have a number of different members that are still on um, that can answer any questions. Or Andrea, if you have a number of questions from the front line, um, please vote to share right now. We do, and we can keep this going as long as we need to. Whatever questions the community has, we, we want to be able to answer them because we are here for you. So be sure to call in and text in. If you left a voicemail, we got it. We're trying to get to as many callers as we possibly can, so please be patient with us. One text that came in through the front line that was concerning was a healthcare provider that has been going into work every day, but she was she just lost her childcare services due to the corona outbreak. What do you suggest someone do in a situation like that? I'm not sure if um, the system minority leader is still on the line, but I do know that the county of Monroe has a has been working with the child care council. Um, the, ch the child care council has been the entity that has been um, fielding these concerns and these questions. Uh, the YMCA has opened up a number of slots for uh, healthcare workers and uh, to be able to send their children to the YMCA. Um, they have a number of different locations throughout the county. They are only serving at this point in time um, childcare um, you know, children um, right now, the, the facilities are not open uh, to the general public. And so you can either dial 211 uh, to get that information or call the child care council directly. And um, I don't I don't know if uh, county legislator um, Flagler has anything else to add to that. But this has been definitely a concern that the deputy, deputy county executive, Corinda Crossdale and her team at DSS has been working on. There are also resources that are available for people if they need um, childcare uh, dollars and support. Um, the, the, the state has laxed the rules as it pertains to the number of children per adult in child care facilities. Um, but we know that this is a challenge in our community and rest assured that they are addressing it. Um, County Legislator Flagler, do you have anything to add to that? Mayor Warren, you said, you said it all. And um, yeah, we if they contact our hotline, they can give them uh, more information on how they can assess these services. And what's the hotline okay, number? Thank you. Go Mayor ahead. Warren, I have another um, question from Melanie on our chat. Can uh, we hold on for one second, Willie? challenges around things like being able to do laundry. Many people don't have laundry facilities at home and are deeply concerned about going to laundromats. There's also the financial challenge of using the laundromats for people who have lost their income. I want to know if there's anything we can do as a community to help with this. I know that the laundries are essential services, uh, and I just wanted to know if anybody wanted to address that. Dr. Silas? Oh, you're, you're, I'm here. Okay. So the, the, I'm not sure about the laundry. Can you, can you repeat it? Um, uh, there, 
a lot of people are concerned about uh, that don't have laundry facilities, you know, in, in washing facilities in their homes. And they're concerned that some of them have deep concerns about going to public facilities like the laundry mats that we know are essential services and they're still open. Uh, but people have some, some great concerns about, you know, just going to these public places and, and doing their laundry. Yeah, I think that um, the concern is real. I think that it's appropriate to have concerns, especially with all the information that we're getting um, in the news about how contagious this virus is. Um, <clears throat> I think that, you know, you have to use the proper precautions when you go, whether it is to the laundry mat or to a supermarket or to your pharmacy Wherever you're going, you should always be um, trying to facilitate proper safety measures. Go in quickly. Um, if you can take smaller loads with you as you go so you're not in there for uh, longer periods of time, that might also be helpful. Uh, definitely uh, just limiting the amounts of time and then wiping off things. If you have any kind of disinfectant that is going to be viral disinfectant, it, not just bacterial disinfectant. Make sure that you're using that. Use gloves. Make sure you're washing your hands. I think that we already had uh, someone earlier on talking about, you know, being just being very intentional about our safety measures for ourselves. Uh, I think that if they are critical uh, spaces, that the people who are running those spaces will also be intentional about keeping things clean and um, and, and getting getting those things to, to make sure that they're useful. But then on our side, we just have to continue to make sure that we're doing our due diligence and whatever we do to keep ourselves safe. Thank you. Um, and as uh, Dr. Silas said, we think that it's very, very important that people exercise um, the, the, the social distancing, even when going into the, the grocery store and the laundromat. These are essential services. Um, you can take in your own wipes. You can take in your own spray, wipe the machine down before utilizing it, wipe the door down before walking in. You can use your gloves, um, but we know that you have to utilize these um, facilities in order to support yourselves and your family. So um, just make sure that you're wiping things down before you utilize them and washing your hands after um, so that you can, uh, so that so that you're not tr uh, transferring the virus. I'm gonna kick it back over to Andrea who has uh, another question in the studio. And for those that are still calling in and texting in in regards to the number for the Child Care Council, the number is 654-4720. That's 654-4720 for the Child Care Council hotline number. 